Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. And today we've got a very important topic that we're going to be talking about. I mean, all of our topics are pretty, uh, pretty amazing and pretty <laughs> and pretty um, important. But today, especially if you have any teenagers at home, if you have any young adults, if you have friends who have, invite them to listen to the show today. Um, many times we talk about things that are how do we say this, are difficult. And sometimes those are the most impactful conversations to have. And this show is made to be a safe space for those conversations. So today I have a new online friend who I've just met, who's amazing. Her name is Didi Said. She is here from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm so excited to be here this morning. Yes, thank you so much for coming. And you know, I know how busy we are. And the fact that you've taken your morning here, and you've come on to share your wisdom and your experiences with us is amazing. So thank you. Absolutely. I want to let you guys know who Didi said is a little bit about her. So Didi, she has worked for a national nonprofit for the last 20 years and has also started a local nonprofit to help area youth and families. We're all about giving here. So I love this so much. She is a proud mom of two young adults. She also is the author of It Doesn't Start With a Punch, My Journey Through an Abusive Teen Dating Relationship. She wrote the book to help others understand how abusive relationships start subtly and grow. She talks about the warning signs of unhealthy relationships, as well as how to help other people in the same situation. She has started building strong foundations. I absolutely love that name. It tells a point. It tells you what it's about. I love it so much. And she wants to talk today about identifying signs of unhealthy and harmful relationships and why we need to do that. Um, we have all known someone or have been ourselves in a harmful and unhealthy relationship. And sometimes we don't know what to look for. Sometimes we don't know how to get out. Sometimes we don't have the power to stop those conversations, those relationships. So I'm really happy that Didi is here today to talk to us. She's also going to explain a little bit, share a little bit about her personal story and how she got into this in the first place. So welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Heavy topic today. A, a little bit of a heavy, heavy topic, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but good. If people are aware, then other people can can prevent it or avoid it. Absolutely. And so important. So much of our life is the relationships we find ourselves in and um, how we thrive and how we live our lives and how happy we are really ultimately comes down to our relationships, whether it's with our parents, our friends, our boyfriends and girlfriends. Um, yeah. So Didi, on a human level, who are you, hon? <laughs> so um, like you said, Didi Saeed um, is from San Antonio, Texas right right now. Um, as a teenager, you know, my dad was an officer in the Air Force. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. I was involved in, played on the school tennis team, National Honor Society, school youth group, um, you know, kept my kids involved in activities as they were growing up and um, being involved in church is pretty important to me. That's awesome. So how did this all start? So you were a teenager. 
Yes. Yeah. And (laughs) I I'm understanding from your book, like the title of your book is so powerful. So can you talk a little bit about your journey? Sure. So I I think, so going back to the title of the book, I think so often we see the news story, you know, we, we see the worst of, of an abusive relationship and we wonder, you know, why on earth were they in that? But we don't stop to think about how it started or how they got there. So when I was 16, I was the only one of my friends that had yet to really date anybody and, or even really know that a boy liked me. And so one afternoon after school, a friend asked for a ride home and a friend of his jumped in the car and we flirted a little bit on the way home and exchanged phone numbers and started talking on the phone. And after a few weeks, he asked me out on a date and it was great. You know, at 16, it was everything I hoped for. He picked me up at the front door, walked me to the car. We had a great dinner out, walked me back to the front door. And so we pretty quickly evolved into a a dating boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. And, and it was, it was good. You know, we went out with friends. He took us, my friends and I to a haunted house. We went on some double dates, but there was a, another side that wasn't as nice. And it didn't start with, with the physical violence. It was like one day he told me a lie and I called him and it was a pretty big lie. And I, I called him out on it and he said, well, you know, can't you just take a joke? I was only joking with it. And, and I remember really debating, like I didn't like being lied to that way, but he was telling me it was supposed to be something funny. And I didn't know if it was really something worth breaking up over. And so I stayed in the relationship And then it started being put downs and derogatory comments. At first, it was addressed towards my family and friends. He would make fun of them in various ways, put them down. And so I started pulling away from them, not wanting him to think poorly of me for the people I associated with. And they were all great people. You know, there was nothing wrong with them. They were great people. I just... His was the loudest voice in my head at that time. And and then the derogatory comments turned towards me. So I played tennis and it was, well, you're not very coordinated, you know, that no wonder you aren't ranked higher on the team. And he told me that I wasn't very smart. When I pointed out that I was enrolled in harder classes than he was, he said, well, but you've got book smart. You don't have real world smart. You're not going to be able to survive out of high school. And, you know, so it was things like that. And, And I always spoke back to it, but he came back just as much. And so I learned to doubt myself and And recently I realized like those are comments that you don't take and share with somebody else. Like I wouldn't go and say, hey, you know, he said I'm not coordinated. What do you think of this? Am I, you know, I mean, because that's embarrassing, (laughs) you know? Um, So, and it's somebody that you care about is saying this about you. So, so you internalize it and it, it affects your self-esteem. Yeah. Um. You know, when you when you were talking about how he was saying things about your family, I wasn't sure what you were going to say next because I was like, okay, is she already pulling away and going with her family? But you did what is most common. You pulled away from your family because this is a new relationship. It makes you feel good at the time. You want it to grow. You don't want to jeopardize it. It's it's what most people do, right? They believe what they're being told. And yeah, I can see how it can shake your self-confidence. I'm thinking because my son is 16 and I'm thinking of how he thinks and how much we we put into the relationships we have, especially at that age. And I think you did what most people do, right? You right. just stay with it. Your gut is telling you this doesn't feel good, but then you're kind of being convinced it's normal. Right, absolutely. Well, and then when you think about the school hallways and the conversations that you hear there, especially today, derogatory language and sarcasm is is common. And so it doesn't really stand out as being abnormal or being bad because you're used to it, you know, even from television shows and movies and, and different things. So, but when it's it's pointed at you and especially from somebody that you care about, it doesn't feel good, but you don't understand it, especially at that young age. Mm-hmm. So what happened next? So I, I stayed in the relationship and um, I would, I think, I honestly don't remember if it was physical or sexual that started next, but I, I think that it was the sexual pressure that started pretty quickly. 
And it was, it was relentless of always wanting to go more than I was comfortable with. And, you know, I just didn't have the, the words, you know, like I, I hesitated and I stopped and I would pull back and, but I didn't, and I would say, I, I, this isn't what I want to do now. I, I think one of the things though, was I had seen it so much in the movies, like in church, mm -hmm. I had heard you don't do this, but in the movies and in television shows, it was happening. Conversation in the hallways, it was happening. So, so I was really confused. Like I wanted to wait, but I didn't necessarily know how to, I, there was all these other influence around me. And so after several months, I, I gave into it and I talk about this one because a counselor has told me that it's really important that this is this happens to a lot of girls. Mm -hmm. You want to wait, you have sex with somebody. So you make up your mind, this is who you're going to marry. You're staying with this, this person. So I made that choice very early in the relationship when it was verbal and emotional abuse at the time, you know, and I never stopped to think of, Hey, there might be somebody else out here. That's not going to pressure me sexually. You know, maybe this isn't the right relationship. Like to me, this is, I'd seen this is what dating looked like from television and movies. I just assumed that it was normal. And instead of saying, Hey, this isn't for me. So I made up my mind to stay in the relationship. And then after that, um, the physical abuse started and it was one day we were in the hallway talking with a friend of his after school. There wasn't really many other people. I don't remember anybody being around except the three of us. And we weren't heated about anything. We were just all talking and debating on something and trying to look cool in front of his friend. As I made a comment, I, you know, kind of did a backhanded tap on his shoulder and he turned around and with both hands pushed me into my chest and hard enough that I stumbled, fell backwards, slid, dropped all my books, you know, and I was humiliated. I was like, oh my gosh, how did, how did that happen? You know, and I'm embarrassed. My books are all over the floor. I, you know, so I'm picking things up. And in the meantime, like all these warning bells are going off in my mind, but I was quick to de deny them, to make excuses for them. You know, it, it was, well, it can't be what I thought that 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 was. And then it was, wouldn't have done something like that in front of somebody else. And then I thought he, I was, you know, a hundred pounds, five, six, he was close to right around six foot tall, 200 pounds. I thought, well, maybe he didn't mean to do that as hard as, as he did. And so, and that's actually denial is one of the first layers of getting into an abusive relationship. Um, I think there's four of them, but that's, that's the first one. And, and so, between making up that decision and then denying it and not saying anything to somebody when that happened, I, I, it was my normal. And I think it's a lot of people's normal. We want to give people the benefit of the doubt. We want to believe that the people who we, we let into our lives are going to look after us. And I think right. that's a normal feeling that human beings have. We don't, you know, we, we do trust easily. And, um, I don't know, people that are listening right now, I'm sure that you have had, whether it's in a marriage or even through a friendship, where sometimes people do something to you and you either blame yourself or you try to ignore the fact that it happened or play it down. We do it all the time. But in certain circumstances, it can become really dangerous. And not only, like you said, it affects your self-confidence, it affects what you think of your about yourself and you know and then you blame yourself why didn't i do this why didn't i stand up for myself all of those things but in the moment we all have this part of ourselves where we just want to trust and believe people are good right, right. so it's very common that people stay and don't and and react the way that you did like as a teenager when you did end the relationship did you have those thoughts of why didn't I do this sooner? Or did you have the thoughts of, did I make the wrong, you know, did, should I have stayed with that person regardless? Like, how did you feel after? Because we are very hard on ourselves. You know, at the time that I, that I broke up, I, I didn't, it had never crossed my mind to leave until I left. And so I didn't look back on it and second guess anything, I just knew I wanted to move forward. 
And so to me, I slammed the door on that relationship. And I'd been very isolated and very sheltered in that. I mean, he had stricter rules on me than my parents did um, as a teenager. So, you know, I, I had been isolated from friends. I'd been sheltered. And I just, I was 19 when I ended the relationship. So stayed in it for three years. And I just wanted to get on with the things that I felt like I had missed out on. And so I, you know, jumped into to college life and making new friends and um, finding a new boyfriend. And, and those are, you know, that's where it's really important to find the time to heal, though, where everybody else had been making decisions for themselves and figuring out who they were and what they liked and what was important and what they wanted to be involved in. I'd had somebody else telling me what to be involved in or to do and and, and really not being involved in anything, just being around him or babysitting. <laughs> um, I babysat to stay out of social situations. But that, that was very mature of you at that age because three years is a long time. And those teenage years are very important about you know, finding out who you are. And when you're in a relationship like that, you like you tell me if I'm wrong, but when you're in a relationship like that, you really do get confused about, you know, who you are, or maybe you don't, you're not able to explore that because there's these chains around you, you know? So I think it was very mature of you to deal with it in the way that you did. And imagine if you didn't have the courage to do that, where would you be now? You don't know what would have happened. Things right. could have turned even more dangerous. Things could have changed and maybe you guys would have gotten married. We just don't know. And it's just to show us that we need to trust our inner our instincts, our gut feelings. We just did a show on trusting your instinct and how people don't do that and why they don't do that. And it's because we all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. And these things happen all the time. We're talking here about how, you know, in your situation, it was a boy who did that to you, but I'm seeing more and more that girls are being very aggressive. I've heard that from a lot of parents with, with very boys, yes. aggressive. And as a teenage, as a mother of a teenage boy, I don't ever want my son to put somebody in a position that they are uncomfortable and have to change who they are. But man, I'm going to be right there in his corner if a girl comes along and it's like, you've got to be careful because everybody blames the boy. And in most cases, let's face it, it is the boy, but I think it's becoming more and more where it's both sexes. And I think people need to realize that. Because there's not one person at fault, you know, there's personalities, whether you're a boy or a girl, there's lots of different things. And, you know, those conversations in the hallways at high schools, a lot of them aren't real. A lot of them aren't true. People sometimes lie about having sex with each other and lie about this, where in reality, boys are just as scared as girls are and girls are just as scared as boys are at the end of the day in high school. There's a lot going on, you know, so it's tough, but I really want to say thank you for you sharing your story, because I think in sharing your story, people are going to know where you're coming from and why this is important to you and are going to listen to you more because you've been through it. You know what I mean? And I yeah. love that you now help youth figure this out and you give them a safe space. And I think we're all looking for those people who believe that what we're telling is true. Right. Yes. No. And that so, that's a key thing in this is listening and respecting when the person wants to open up. Did you have anybody to talk to when this was happening to you or did you just keep it to yourself? I completely kept it to myself. My my parents guessed what was going on and they tried to approach me about it and talk about it. And I got very defensive and pulled away. And, and they said anytime they noticed, anytime they tried to pull me into a conversation about it, I would actually run closer to my ex-boyfriend. And that's a sign. Time. I yes. think that's a sign. The last people I wanted to talk to when I was a teenager, you know, and I had my things as a teenager was my parents. And sometimes you want to talk to your friends, but it's like, are they going to laugh at me? Are they going to think I'm weird because they're having sex or they were, you know, all of these things. And it's hard. It's hard because you believe that people will laugh. People won't understand. And so where do you go? Where do you turn? So I love that we're having this conversation because we're going to be teaching and you're going to be talking to us about the warning signs and what you can do if you know someone in this relationship or maybe as an adult, 
you're in a marriage like this too. It right. doesn't necessarily, we're not just talking about being a teenager, but it's about not letting people take your power away. And this is part of giving starts with you. You know, we were talking before we hit record about how I feel that, and you agreed that self-care is not just about bubble baths. It's about priorities and boundaries and loving yourself enough to trust yourself and getting away from toxic people. So I know we're going to talk about that. And um, like I said, you know, share this with other people because I think you're really going to learn something. So Didi, I have a question. When you ended things, what was his reaction? Because I'm thinking, before you answer that, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be either, I don't know that the person would take responsibility, but I have a feeling that a lot of times thing, things end and they're like, and the boys or the girls, whoever's on the abusive end of it, will say something like, oh, well, you're just taking things too seriously and I wasn't doing all those things. Like, was it a big denial on his part or did he actually apologize and understand? Because you want people to heal. You want the perpetrator to also learn something. Right. So I think I can, let me give a two-part to that. Um, so anytime the abuse happened, he was always very remorseful afterwards, would pull me into his lap and he was sorry and he loved me so much. And, you know, if he didn't care about me so much, that wouldn't have happened. And and he would go on. So it was kind of this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, you know, he was this wonderful person when he wasn't abusive. As far as when I ended things, I honestly don't remember what he said. I I know that it probably, well, one, I should say I was not safe in what I did. And I wish I'd known this information back then. Um, it's really important not to be alone with somebody because somebody that has been abusive or manipulative, to them, the relationship has a control factor in it. And when the other person is breaking up or leaving, they've lost control. And so often that's when the abuse or the violence will escalate. So it's really important to have a safety plan in place when you're dating that person, if you decide to stay in it for a while, but also when you decide to leave, you really need a safety plan. So I went to his house. I was in his bedroom behind a closed door. It, I remember the conversation being like an hour, hour and a half long. I don't think that I told anybody I was going over there to break up with him. It had, And it had probably taken me three months to decide to. There was there was an incident that helped me see things differently. I, it was planned rather than what I'd always believed was a reaction to something. And so I sat on that and thought and pondered and after three months decided to break up. And what I do remember is he told me that he saw confidence in me that he'd never seen before. I was kind of like, I never hit him, or but I was bold in my speaking that night when I hadn't been before. And when I left, I went and spent the night with my best friend and I told her a little bit, but just high level details. I didn't talk to my parents about it for 20 years. Mm. Wow. Bravery, right? <laughs> but yes. one of the best things that, you, that you've done, and I'm so glad that you said, let people know what you're doing, even if you don't tell them the details, because you hear about these things on the news. You hear about um, my, you know, this person's ex, right. them. this person's, sometimes it happens after the breakup. A lot of times it happens after the breakup because people get angry. Right. He called mm -hmm. me six months maybe after we'd broken up and and i don't remember if he'd been drinking but he was really distraught and he kept wanting me to agree to see him that night mm -hmm. and i and i wouldn't i don't remember how long the phone call was it was it was over an hour long and the only way i finally got off the phone with him was to agree to meet him and he kept on the phone call he kept wanting to harm himself if i wouldn't meet him and he kept talking about the gun and there was somebody else with him I don't remember who it was but I called his parents the next day and I said I don't know if you're aware of this but this is what happened last night and they said that he they had just gotten a rifle away from him before oh, he wow. decided to call me so it was it was true um I yeah so 
you know, it, it's the violence is there. Mm-hmm. And your book, the title, it doesn't start with a punch. It's true. I think a lot of us, we just believe maybe because our parents were in that situation or whatever it is, you know, people tend to talk more about physical, I think, abuse than mental and emotional abuse because it's more commonly talked about, right? So it doesn't have to start with a punch. It does start with, you know, it can start with demeaning comments and just lowering people's self-esteem. Because if you don't believe in yourself, but you believe in this person, of course, you're going to, you know, it'd be easier to stay, right? right? So we talked about, you talked about some of the warning signs like isolation and how he took, um, your relationship away from other relationships, right? So what are some of the other signs that we can look for in relationship, especially as a teenager, but even as an adult? Right. So somebody in in the relationship can look for, you know, like like we just said, the the derogatory comments, but also like wanting more of that person's time. Like you need a healthy balance of time with your other friendships, with the activities you were involved in before this relationship came along. So if they're pulling and wanting more of your time, it's not necessarily healthy. Um, From the outside, seeing somebody that was involved in a lot of things and now they're not, or maybe they were outgoing and now they're withdrawn. They used to have a lot of friends around. Now they're just either by themselves or with this person. Um, being sullen or having anxiety where maybe you didn't, depression comes along. I, I called it despair at the time. Um, you might cry for no reason, either alone or in front of other people. They might not understand what they're crying about. Um wearing the wrong clothes for the season, like it's summertime oh. and they've got on a long sleeve short or they start wearing longer pants. Maybe they used to dress trendy and now they dress conservative. So changes that way. Being very secretive, I became a master at lying. Um, my parents didn't want me spending a lot of time with him or I would make up excuses about other other things. Um, but technology, especially today, like the abuser might have the password to that person's phone so they can monitor their text messages or their social media accounts. They probably likely want to have tabs on them pretty frequently. You know, back in my day, it was the landline. (laughs) So (laughs) I went to the mall, that wasn't an option, but, but now, you know, they want to be able to say, they expect you to be able to answer. So grounding somebody or restricting them from phone use and and seeing a a heightened reaction can be a sign as well and the tracking apps people always know where you are yes yes very scary so it all sounds very difficult to get out of do you have any suggestions of of how do people or what should people be asking themselves if they're not sure if they should leave those? Like if if you're not trusting your instinct and you're just not sure if this is real, like, is this really happening to me? Am I just making up too much? You know, if, am I putting too much emphasis on this joke that doesn't feel right? Or, you know, what's a good thing to to maybe help people move beyond that or to trust themselves? Yeah, so I, I'd say one thinking about how you feel in the relationship. Are you truly happy? Are you truly content? Are you anxious? Are you not yourself? Um, you know, are are your grades changing? Are you not thinking as well in activities? You know, so kind of thinking about yourself before and after the relationship. And I, I think you'll see a difference there. But then and it is hard to recognize when you're in the middle of it. So I, I think too, people from the outside speaking in, you know, when, when like my friends, I they knew something wasn't right. I don't know that they knew what, but they knew I was different. And so when they tried to approach me about it, the same thing as my parents, I lashed out at them and kind of pushed them away verbally and kept myself isolated. And so they have been shamed and the person being abused has been shamed and and guilted. And so somebody from the outside to come and just speak into them and say, you're valuable, you're important to me, you matter. 
these are the great things that I see about you, you know, building them up where they've been torn down, Mm -hmm. working to establish some trust. I mean, this is a person you probably have known for a long time, but they're confused. And I always equate it to being like in a the fun house with the uneven floor and you can't get your balance. You know, that's yeah. what an abusive relationship is. Like you try, but every time you take a step, it it tilts or it changes. And and so you try ag- again. And so having somebody, and it might take several times of, of speaking in and being affirming that, that way. And then just saying, hey, you know, once you've kind of established or built that trust up a little bit, saying, hey, I, you know, it seems like some things are off and I, I care about you. And is there anything that you want to talk about or anything that I can help you with? And maybe they'll start to share a little bit. And and like I said in, in the beginning, like it's if somebody says a harmful comment to you, it's really hard to say, hey, somebody said this about me and I don't know if this is right. I don't know what I should think about this. Like those words are hard to get out of your mouth. It's it's hard to share that thought with somebody else. So they're going to take baby steps in talking about it. And it might be a while before you know the extent of the abuse, but just keep listening and affirming, be patient. Um, don't talk more than you listen because they need space to to open up. And like I said, maybe it's a little bit at a at a time. Maybe hand them a flyer that has the warning signs to be looking for or point them to a website that has uh Love is Respect is a great website that has quizzes that teens can take that help okay. them know if their relationship is healthy or not. No, thank you for sharing that. And mm-hmm. I know on your website um people can also get a very helpful printout of warning signs, subtle things to recognize, subtle things to learn. And it's important, you know, sometimes teenagers shut parents down. They're like, well, I don't want to talk about this, even before this relationship happens. Um, but it's it's a great informative um, sheet that you've created that you can just even hand to someone, even if they don't want to talk about it. So we'll definitely f- let you guys know where you can get that. But compromise, what about when someone is just the only one that's making a compromise? I know you talk about that as well. And if you're giving up all the things that you love and this other person is not having any compromises, that's pretty much a red flag too. Even in a marriage as an adult, you know, this is across the board. Right. Not not valuing your beliefs and, and mm. your values or your thoughts is another one too. Mm, interesting. So I know we're both moms of teenagers. And I think as I'm listening to what you're talking about and how hard it is once you're in that relationship to actually change things without mm-hmm. feeling um, so scared that you're stuck or that you're frozen, what can we do as parents for our kids before they become teenagers so that they love themselves enough, they're firm in what they believe in, so that they're not as easily uh, maybe deterred from their own beliefs? Like, is there anything that you can think of that we can help our kids um, really? And, you know, I think the new generations are like, I think that that's happening because more of the kids are saying, you know, yeah, this isn't right. They're standing up for themselves. They're learning about their sexuality earlier. They're um, respecting themselves, you know, but is there anything as parents, I'm just trying to think myself too. um, What can we do to prepare our kids before they start these relationships so that they're secure? You know, I think it's, it starts when they're young. It starts when they're first friendships and helping them think through, you know, we tend to say, oh, was that person nice to you? Or how was school today? And we don't always dig into what the relationships are are like and so helping them see what's healthy and unhealthy in relationships when they're when they're young um i had all of the protective factors around me and i still got involved in in Mm -hmm. one of these but the other thing that i did with my kids as they were growing up because i knew how much i had learned from movies and and tv so one, I tried to steer them towards shows with healthy things. Like I miss Full House, the original one. <laughs> you yes. know? That was it was always 30 minutes of a lesson packed in. You know, here's the issue, here's the dad talk at the end. You know, it was it was great. So we we watched a lot of those. Um, but 
but you know, movies are, are fun. And, and so I would sit next to my, my daughter on the couch and, you know, like Top Gun is, is one, like, I still love that movie, but (laughs) you know, he, he goes after the girl, they have an exchange. She, or he comes over hot and sweaty and not showered. Like that's not respectful for a, for a date. Right. Then their next episode, it says she's falling for him. And I'm like, there's nothing, you don't know enough about this person yet to fall for them. You know? So I, anyway, she, she can roll her eyes and say what I would, would say in a movie now, but you know, I hope it helped point out to her that you don't fall in love in two weeks. You don't fall in love because he's cute. There has to be substance to that relationship. Um, and so, and and just as much as we watch the fun ones with, you know, these kind of things that we would joke about, I also showed her some really good movies. Like I love the um, series Love Comes Softly. It's oh, an old fashioned. Yeah, I okay. think Hallmark put it out and it's an old fashioned, you know, set in the old West is being developed kind of time frame. But but they're all healthy, respectful. They grow by working together kind of relationships. And so anyways, I tried to show her movies like like that or Apollo yeah. 13 where there's perseverance and it. teamwork. And, yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And I love that you said, you know, you could have had the most perfect childhood. You could be one of the strongest individuals. It can still happen. Right. And it's to no fault of your own. It is a growing process. And a lot of people find themselves in this situation. So I think we've learned a lot of a lot today, but I also want, you know, you were talking about how depression and anxiety is a sign. Do you also think that it could be the other way? There could be a really shy person who becomes very outgoing and very like the opposite side. It probably doesn't happen as often as somebody who is extroverted becoming more introverted, but in your experience, because I know you deal with a lot of teenagers, have you ever seen it the other way, where they become more promiscuous? They become more in the way that they dress or oh. the way that they talk and their language just to fit in so that people, you know, as a hiding mechanism. So people don't see that maybe they're different or that they're in this situation. If if there's verbal, emotional, and physical abuse. I don't think so because that person tends to be really jealous, which is also a sign. And this is one is very misunderstood, especially by teens. Like, you know, when you're first in a dating relationship and you want this person to like you and you want them to be enamored with you, like it can seem like a big compliment that they're jealous that there's, you know, that they don't want you with other people. And so that, that is a huge, huge sign. But, but because of that jealousy, and it tends to be extreme jealousy, you're probably not going to do anything outgoing because you don't want to draw attention to yourself because then that brings on the the abuse. But I have heard that teens that are abused sexually, so, sometimes they become promiscuous as a side effect afterwards. Mm-hmm. So that certainly, yeah, dr- dressing differently. And, you know, and we're so misguided in that. You know, I, I look back to J-Lo, what, 30 years ago when she first wore the plunging neckline, right? you know, dress to the Grammys or whatever the event was. And now that dress is it. You know, we were aghast that a dress like that it was came shocking. out. It, it, yeah, right. Fine. It was. And it was like, oh my gosh, you're showing so much of your body and that's not right. And And now it's in high school prom dresses, you know, so... So things have, have changed, but that's, you know, so what girls see of that is that's how you get attention. You know, they don't realize that the movie star is having to do that to keep her ratings up, to keep the job offer coming, Mm -hmm. but it's not how we want to attract a person. And we're not going to attract a quality person if they're only looking at us for what's on the outside or what we're wearing or how much we're revealing. Yeah, I do agree with you, but a part of me, like when I see girls in this age um wearing these maybe what people would say are inappropriate to get attention I sometimes hope in my mind that it's not for that reason I sometimes hope this is great they feel confident about who they are they I don't necessarily think it's for attention sometimes I just think that or I hope that it's because they are confident in their bodies, that they are confident in who they are and that they have those boundaries up because I don't want people to think that, um, you know, how do I say this without it being awkward? So this is why this is important to have these conversations. 
But back in the day, like I'm 50 now, but back in the day, a lot of times guys would say, well, if she didn't want it, she wouldn't dress like that. And that freaks me out. And it's so hard to hear because back then as a teenager, I remembered that and I believed that. And now as a grown woman, I hope that boys and girls, because I think of them still as boys and girls at that age, that they don't think that way. I'm hoping that boys don't think, oh, if a girl's wearing that, it's an automatic, yes, they want to have sex with me. Do you know what I mean? I'm hoping they look at it as this is a confident woman who is not going to put up with anything, who's comfortable with who she is. And I'm hoping it's going that way. But you just, the, the problem here is, is that you will never know what the other person is thinking. You don't know what their beliefs are. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know if that person across from you is thinking, oh my God, she wants to have sex with me or she's a confident person. So you do have to be aware, but at the end of the day, you should be able to dress the way that you want to dress, you know? So I, I do see both sides. Yes. I do see both sides. It, it is It is tough, isn't it? It is. It is. Well, and with so many messages too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just in society and in, in general. Yeah. Is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you think will be helpful for people, even even if it's not them in the relationship? Let's say they know somebody or they see some warning signs. How can they help that person if that person doesn't want to admit what's happening, but you just kind of sense there's something there? Yeah, like I said, I, I think the best thing is to try to build build trust and to mm-hmm. continue to be there and let that person know that you're there, you know, just in general even. Um, but I, th- I think the other thing that, that we didn't touch on is, and this was staggering to me as I did the research for the, the book. So we tend to think that somebody that's abusive learns it in their home. Maybe they watch a parent be abusive with another one. They were the victim of abuse from a parent or a sibling. You know, we tend to think that's where it comes from. But for decades now, the medical community has actually been finding that somebody that is abusive learns it as much from the society around them. Maybe there's a role model that they look up to. So, you know, I mean, we hear rumors on sports teams of it happening. But also video games, a child that learns violence through a video game learns that aggression is the way to solve problems. You know, then we, it's in songs, it's in movies, TV. Um, So just recognizing that there's a lot of influence and messages that, that lead into exactly what you're saying. We don't know what the other person is thinking or, Mm. or where their thoughts and ideas are coming from. And so just recognizing that they're getting a lot of signs and we just need to affirm and keep talking about positive character traits to build healthy relationships. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. Thank you for bringing that up because I don't necessarily, like, I agree with you, but I don't necessarily believe that if you watch these things that it's automatic, but you're right. Like, I think we need to have the conversation. That's why it's important to get to know anybody beforehand, have those questions, find out what people's, um, people's beliefs are and all of those things because maybe before you get to the abusive part in that relationship you already have an out if they don't if you see that you are too different you know what I mean yeah it's just it's hard you know life is hard and being a teenager (laughs) it was (laughs) yeah I, I was so confused as a teenager and I don't know that I would have gone to anybody but as an adult I can see so many people I probably could have reached out to. Yeah. You know, we just want to fit in. And sometimes it's important. I want people to know that it's important to stand out. Sometimes when you try to follow everybody else, it's not the best choice for you. It's not the best thing to do. And being normal is kind of boring. Like be your own quirky self and stand up for yourself and, you know, I don't know. I think there's so many things out there now for teens and for adults to participate in that teach you this stuff, like whether it's workshops or, you know, just team building exercises. And there's so many things out there. And yeah, I, I feel good about the new generation where they're talking about things more and they're not putting up with um, things as much, but 
I think we would all be very, very surprised as to how much it still happens in schools, whether people are talking about it or not. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's a lot to think about. It really is. But just go with your gut. I mean, I agree. That's the most important thing. Go with go with your gut. Well, and we didn't touch on this, but yes. it's actually one in three girls and one in 10 boys will be in an abusive relationship between the ages of 16 and 24. And in the 10 years that I've been pulling the research, that hasn't changed. Wow. I, so, I saw that statistic on your website. I was looking through. I was very intrigued in reading everything that you had there and um, very high. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm grateful for shows like this, that we get to raise awareness and people mm -hmm. get to learn what the warning signs are and how to help. Cause this is going to go a long way to, to help people avoid these relationships or get out of them before they really turn harmful. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know that some people know that the isolation one is big, like people do know that in their minds, but they don't necessarily let it change their decision. Right. So for example, um, people will listen to this today and they might say, oh yeah, no, I heard about that before. I heard about, you know, if people are trying to control you, then it might be a sign, but they don't really take it any further because it is scary. You know, mm -hmm. it is scary. And one of the things I try to, one of my missions for this show is to end loneliness. And even if all people get out of this is that this happens way too much which means it's horrible, but it also means that people get it. People understand. And there are more people that you can share this with than you may feel like you can. And a lot of people have gone through relationships that are like this. There are a lot of people who don't know how to be in a relationship. There are a lot of men um, and women that need to be taught how to be in a healthy relationship. I'm looking at the other side too, not just the victim or the person that's being abused, but the other person. We want to help both sides because nobody wants a teenage boy who is who is doing these things to a girl to grow up and be this abusive husband, to want to be this husband, you know, father. And so we want to help both sides. Um, I know we tend to try to help people um, more that are being the victim in it but i think i think it's important to think of both people as well yes so that i agree we can help and teach them so that this doesn't even become a thing so it doesn't even start so people don't think they can get away with doing this to other people but right yeah but dd and i just want you guys to know you're not alone so the more you feel that you're not alone the more options i hope that you feel that you have even if it's not just reaching out to people, but just for yourself, don't feel like you're not good enough. Don't feel that you're not um, perfect enough and all of these things, because honestly, at the end of the day, anybody can find fault with anybody. Yes. Yep. You know? we're, we're all flawed, just yeah. working to get better. <laughs> and don't believe everything you hear, right? Right. People Absolutely. tell you something, if you feel that that's not you, you got to pay attention, right? You know, that was, that was the biggest thing for me is that I, even because this happened to me, I didn't, I felt like it was my fault. I carried shame and I carried guilt and I felt dinged because of it. And I heard a, a Sunday school cl class anyways, and it, it was, you know, God saying, this doesn't change who you are. You're still worthy and I still love you. And that, that changed me, you know, it, it, it took away that oh yeah, I'm still, I'm still me in the middle. And so that's what I want everybody to know is each and every person has value and has worth regardless of what's happened or mistakes that you've made. Every person has value and, and worth. And the best we can do is just keep moving forward to be in healthy relationships. Yes, Dee I love that <laughs> so much. In my trailer, I talk about sometimes things happen to us that we think will break us. Yes. And I want people to know this isn't going to break you, even if right. you're in a relationship right now, you know, and I hope this has given you the confidence that you need to get out of it. So Didi, I'm so happy that we had this conversation. <laughs> I know it's kind of heavy, you know, and we're laughing about it now, but, and I know it's heavy, but life is heavy and we have to, 
you know, we have to talk about it. not all the time. We can talk about right. light stuff too. <laughs> and that brings me to my next thing. I would love to invite you back on the show to talk about giving because I know you're in the nonprofit world and you've worked in nonprofit and you probably have remarkable stories and things that you can share with us. So I would love to have you back someday. I would love to be back. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, you know, continue doing this important work. It, it is changing lives. And uh, I really want people to go to your website. Tell us how we can reach you. So the, the website is buildstrongfoundations.com. And it's full of a bunch of resources of what healthy relationships look like, the warning signs to look for. There's a tab that is resources, organizations that can help, that have uh, chat lines where teens can ask questions and, and get answers right away confidentially. And where can people find your book? Let's read so the book. Yes, thank you very much. The book is on Amazon um, and it's called It Doesn't Start With a Punch and My Journey Through a Teen Dating Relationship, Abusive Teen Dating Relationship. I love that. I honestly love that. And uh, yeah, keep keep raising awareness and keep raising these kids, you know, to be the best that they can be, as I'm sure you are already. And I've learned a few things that I can I can um, maybe think about when I deal with my own child and my own teenager and young adult and the things that he's going through. And I really appreciate that on a personal level as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed the time this morning and I'm really grateful to be able to raise awareness and reach more people with the message. Yeah. Let's, let's raise some confident people, you know? <laughs> yes, and, yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much guys. And please share this message. Honestly, it's not because of ratings or listening. We really want to help people on this show. And the more people that you can share it with, you just don't know how you're going to change somebody's life. And um, they're all worth improving, you know? Thank you so much, Didi. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.